Hey guys. Welcome to Person About Town. Today we have a special guest from out of town. Tell us uh, who you are and where we are. Uh, my name is John Ozelay. We are on the Esplanade along the Charles River here in Boston. One of my, or my favorite place. <laughs> Not one. The top. The top? It ranked number one. All right. So, o is that short for something or your parents hippies or? Yeah, it's um, short for Jonathan. Uh-huh. What made you go with John O versus John? I, um, when I was 11 or when I was in sixth grade, I did a report on the country of Hungary because that was the etymology of my last name. Uh-huh. I'm Hungarian nationality. Uh-huh. Uh, we should say that the crinkling here is, is the popsicles we're eating, which are these fruit it's so things. Crinkle. I'm sorry, I just really, you're like making it look really good. So like yeah, I yeah, it. of course. Okay. There, it's a hot day out and we're indulging in some delicious frozen fruit on a stick. It is great. Yeah, it's, it is pretty good. Uh, so yeah, like I'm a Hungarian of nationality, so I did a report on Hungary, and their like version of George Washington, their like military hero slash politician guy, was uh, Janos Hanyadi, oh. and like the, that they, you know, people noticed, like, yeah, it's kind of similar to you, so we'll just call you Janos for a while. So it was started out as Janos, then it got shortened to Jano because no one wanted the S at the end. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. So wait, where did you go to school? Um, well, I grew up in San Diego, uh, and then I. Went to college in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. which is just north of L.A., and I went to graduate school here in Boston at, B- at BU. Tell the listeners, what did you go to grad school for? Oh, so I went to grad school for neuroscience, and yeah, so I was, I was the doctoral program where I was there. For, that's why I was in Boston for six years mm-hmm. the whole time. I was going to school and doing stand-up and studying a drug addiction in a rat model, so I gave cocaine to rats. Okay. And what did you find out by giving cocaine to rats? Rats love cocaine! They love it a lot. Mm-hmm. They hate it when you take it away from them. What do they do that's different than, I guess, what humans do when you take away their cocaine? Uh, probably the same things. They bite you, you know. You know, humans get all bitey after they stop taking their coke. Yeah. Yeah, no, they didn't. I, <laughs> I do, but I don't know them well. Right. You got to keep them at arm's length, you know. Got it. Otherwise, they'll bite you. Yeah. Think you took away their cocaine. Yeah. So what was that transition like from getting your PhD to now just doing comedy? Well, I mean, I was doing comedy the whole time I was doing research anyway, so it wasn't that much of a transition other than I got to sleep in a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Like, I slept in even when I was going to grad school. It was kind of great, <laughs> living the dream. Oh, my popsicle is dripping. <laughs> yeah, I... We'd go into my lab around noon and then, like, be done around whenever evening and then go straight to a show. Now I just wake up around noon, have a very luxurious breakfast. <laughs> and What's the standard breakfast? Oh, I, um, I usually do some kind of egg dish with some, maybe some cut-up fruit and, like, some sort of salty meat, like nice. a sausage or something. And, you know, fresh-brewed coffee, cold brew for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do that overnight. Um, yeah, it, it, and... Sometimes some kind of parfait, you know, different different fruits and yogurts, all sorts of uh, brunchy type things that people would pay a ton of money for at a restaurant. So like, it seems like you controlled your schedule quite a bit when you were doing science. Do you find it easy to get what you need to get done done now that you have a more relaxed schedule? No, I'm very lazy. Mm. Like, I feel like having a schedule that I did, even in grad school, was probably more beneficial to me because it kept me more disciplined. Mm-hmm. Now when I have all day, it's just like, no, I'll get to it later. 
I'll just kind of sit around and do, clean up this or that. I procrastinate so much easier. Mm. I mean, I do have like other side jobs now, which helps. What are some of your side jobs? I sit dogs because mm -hmm. um, I have a backyard in New York, which is very rare. Yeah. And I love dogs, so like people drop off their dogs and I take care of them. Nice. Um, I also sometimes, um, oh, I teach. Like that's another thing. I teach from home though. It's like an online program. Yeah, sure. So it's, there's, you know, a lot of universities are doing online classes or components in addition to their on-campus thing. So I do that for a school that's based out of San Diego, but it's called National University, and, it, mm -hmm. and I uh, teach some online components. And they're month-to-month, they're -month, so like every other month or so I'll be, quote-unquote, teaching a course, but I don't really teach. I mostly just answer emails, <laughs> grade papers. Okay. I, it's a very uh, retroactive teaching. <laughs> so you are still able to use your Ph.D.? I wouldn't say I use it. I mean, I've exploited it to get hired for a very easy online teaching job. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. Um, I guess you could say that way. I am. I'm I'm in, I'm in the hang, clinging to the bottom rung of academia. <laughs> that online is the bottom rung. I would say, wouldn't you? I don't know. I haven't done online. I know some people have gotten something out of it. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, yeah. It's just not as the high. It's not like. It's not the Harvard. Of no, certainly not. Even even Harvard's online component is probably worse than most <laughs> regular colleges on campus. All right. So, what made you want to continue and finish your PhD if you knew that you were interested in doing stand up full time? Um, well, for one, it paid me. That was my job. That was my day job. Like okay. doctoral programs in science, at least, give you a stipend to live off mm -hmm. of. Uh, so that was, it would have been dumb to end in that respect. Uh, and also I just kind of wanted to finish it. Like there's, if I put in so much work yeah. leading up to it, even, even towards the end when I knew like in that last year, I was like, well, I'm not going to do science full time after this. Right. Um, I wanted to like, why put in five of six years without getting your actual doctorate? Mm -hmm. So it was just the pride of just like, I need to finish this. Right. And uh, yeah, and, and I like science. I, I don't. I didn't quit because I hated it. I just wasn't as in love with it as I was about stand-up. Right. Did you always know you wanted to do stand-up? Kinda. Like, I always was loving co with comedy as a general genre, and, like, stand-up was the thing I found first. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure if I found improv first, I might have tried it, but I probably wasn't... I'm not as suited for improv. Thanks. Uh, Why would you say that you're not as suited to improv? Um... I've found that like when I say something for the first time, my brain works a lot faster than my mouth. Mm -hmm. So I just get all mumble mouthed. <laughs> and I, I also, like even I'm hesitant to work with other stand-ups in like a duo act or like a sketch or something like that because mm -hmm. I have these trust issues where I like can't rely upon them to say exactly what I want them to say or do exactly what I want them to do. Right. So I, it's a lack of control. Like stand-up you have absolute control about what you're saying and what you're, how you're performing in front of everyone. Would you say that? I'm sorry I'm laughing. Uh, you, you're just, like, looking. It's like, a melting situation. <laughs> These popsicles are, are unruly. They're revolting on us. They're getting all over our hands. It's, I don't know how it's getting all over your hand. Like, I'm not experiencing that at all. We eat yours much faster because you're not talking. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> okay, just imagine, like, a teenage woman in a movie from the 70s licking a popsicle. That's exactly how Joan Ozilei eats a popsicle. Mm. You're leaning into it, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Lean in, ladies. Lean in.
<laughs> Thanks. Um, would you say that that's common amongst most stand-ups, that they need that control? Oh. <laughs> Probably. I mean, we got issues, for sure. Certainly there's elements uh, that would like lead you to just do a BSLO act. Right. So how did you get into it? Um, like I said, I just loved comedy growing up, and, and like when I was in college, I... You know, I was aware of stand-up, obviously. I just didn't have any access to, like, or concept, like, where it might take place or how to get into it. Mm-hmm. Then I was home one summer in San Diego, and, like, my friend was like, hey, you know, the comedy store has an open mic. And I and I think I said, like, wait, there's a comedy store now? What happened? Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even know we had a comedy club in my city. Oh, yeah. And I'd never even seen live stand-up before. I've just seen it on TV. Right. Or, like, you know, colleges have, like, the... the people come to campus I don't even think I saw a stand-up I saw like a R-rated hypnotist type thing Interesting. yeah so I was just devoid of live stand-up and I found out there was live stand-up in like my hometown I was like oh great I gotta check it out so like I signed up that week to like yeah. do their open mic and uh so like the only live stand-up I saw before I did it was the host and then one other guy who did like a porky pig impression and then I went up and did two minutes all right well do you remember any of the details of your first two minutes um, yeah, they were awful. <laughs> it was, um... Poor performance, poor writing? All of the above. Okay. It was, I didn't know how to do it. And, and I think I just did, like, my own, like, written versions of street jokes. Yeah. More so than, like, a traditional stand-up set. It was like, hey, what about this and this? What do you get? Kind of thing. But, <laughs> but my own written versions of it. So, of course, it was terrible. Yeah. Uh... And then everyone, everyone largely ignored it. And then I was like, all right, well, that's that. And uh, I guess I'll keep at it and okay. try to get better. Nice. So you, had, uh, you didn't have, like, a positive response the first time you did it, but you still wanted to continue. I didn't have a positive response the first year I did it. Really? Yeah, I, I sucked forever. Why did, then why, what made you want to continue doing it? No idea. Okay. I'm, I'm, I would love to ask myself <laughs> that. If I could get in a time machine, I was like, why are you still doing this? No one seems to like it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was just that irrational confidence of like, I'll figure this out. Like, I know I'm funny. I'll make sure everyone else figures it out once I know how to communicate it. I think that was the problem. Like, uh, everything was working in my head more than I could communicate it. Also, I had terrible stage presence. What was your stage presence? Well, just not no, no confidence. in Or like, the way that I deliver a joke now is with a certain, like, I know this works or whatever, and yeah. I can rely upon it doing so. Back then, I had no very good reason to, to believe it wouldn't work right so I, I just did you know like how you can tell some sort of by someone's voice uh-huh. they're an open micer or not right a lot of times so that's just what I suffered from I'm sure like I just wasn't a natural performer mm-hmm. like I, I would I would be you know I'd tell jokes in class and stuff at high school yeah. or in college but I it wasn't like a gonna get on stage and entertain everybody kind of right. uh, persona so I I just took you know, it took me a while to, like, gain any kind of chops of being in front of people and talking with confidence. Would you say you were a confident person, not, like, in your stand-up, but just in life? Oh, yeah. Way too cocky. Really? Like, the whole time? Mm, definitely in high school. I was the president of my high school, like, my student body president. Yeah. And it was not entirely, but a lot of it was just based on, like, hey, I get to be funny in front of students mm-hmm. for, like, my speeches yeah. or whatever. It was, like, this is a chance to, like do say funny stuff into a microphone right. and it wasn't like stand-up or anything it was just like I'm gonna sit, tell funny stories and make a funny speech nice. awesome. yeah were you 
the president like all four years or? No, I actually felt bad because there was a kid who I was friends with, or friendly acquaintances with, who was like our president all like three years leading up to it. Right. And like totally assumed as like as the incumbent, totally competent person that is yeah. a very respected leader that he would just win. And then I just decided to steal that away from him. <laughs> what? What made you like, nah, I get this this year? Uh, well, I just, I'd kind of a little bit planned on it. Just like, you know what? I'm going to be, I bet I could do it and it'd be fun. Yeah. And so, sorry, Greg, <laughs> my friend, but yeah, I'm going to destroy you. Nice. <laughs> and how did you go about systematically destroying this person oh. you were vaguely close to? He was a nice guy, but I don't think he had the, uh, the, pol- like the, the chops as a, as a, campaigner I guess like he was just uh complacent with his like people respect me they'll definitely vote for me but I I went I did went the Trump route of just being a showman okay like I wasn't like mean or anything but I was definitely sillier and and like delivered a more compelling speech okay and like I I could I could uh um captivate like the younger crowds or whatever like no one no one who was a freshman or sophomore knew who this guy Greg was or what his sterling record of yeah. administering our class so I could just go up and and uh, make my case to these people who didn't know anyone yeah. and I was much better at it nice yeah very cool were similarly in college you were like like a known confident person so, I mean I wouldn't say like as I was known as a com- confident person I mean like, I was yeah. for sure for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh but I, I was known as a silly person. Okay. Like, I was very into pranks. What kind of pranks? I, you know, your general dorm pranks, like your, you know, water splash on someone's door kind of thing, or uh, we'd, like, switch, we like, we'd coordinate with other students in our hall and, like, lead these different uh, systematic pranks of the mm-hmm. thing, like like we we switched doors to like the the bathroom in the hallway, so people would. I don't, it, it was like <laughs> various dumb. Looking back, like they weren't like especially <laughs> These like, like no, they were just dumb. Yeah, like you you just we'd epoxy some like something to a door, just to like decorate it weird, and yeah. we'd. Uh, Toilet papering, taping things to stuff, pranks. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget all of the stuff, the dumb stuff we did. But there was a lot of it. Right. Are you still friends with any of those people? Yeah. I mean, I played fantasy football with all. Like, that's like a great way to keep in touch with all your old friends that you live across the country. Is fantasy football? Fantasy football. Underrated uh, element of that. All right. Yeah. Nice. Do you find it easy to maintain non-comedy friends? No. Well, not yeah, it's a short answer. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. They, like, they're, because I go up, to, I'm at shows every night, so, yeah. like, my friends and colleagues are all stand-ups. And, like, outside of fantasy football or, like, potentially going home for the holidays, I never see any of them. Yeah. So, it's a little turkey. Nice. But it's also just hard as a, probably an adult to maintain friendships. Probably. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 30. Okay. What do you have, what's your day job? Sales consulting. Okay. Do you, do you like see friends outside of sales consulting? 
When you say, do I see friends outside of sales consulting? Well, I mean, like like your old college buddies and stuff. Uh, no, not my old college buddies. I moved away very quickly. Uh, I think most of them are still in the South. And I was like, I got to get out of this hellhole uh, with haste. And I'm going to say, I made a bunch of friends when I was in grad school who are from my grad school or from couch surfing. Okay. And I still see a lot of those people pretty regularly. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be a little bit easier for, because you probably, your social life would involve going to bars in a non-comedy sense. Yes. Whereas mine doesn't, I guess. You don't so. go to bars in a non-comedy sense? Well, I'm out at bars for comedy most nights. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no I guess I don't. Mm. Rarely, at least. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if a friend is visiting from, like, New York from, like, my hometown or from wherever they live, right. I'll make a point to see them. But even even like college friends I have, there, I have a college friend who lives like one subway stop from me in New York, and I see him like twice a year. Why? Because we both have night jobs. Yeah. Like I go do stand up, he does like theater stuff, um, and and like you know, it, daily life. Can we like I want to wash? Yes, <laughs> yes. We can pause while you wash your hands. All right, pause for stickiness. All right, we're back. Our hands. Significantly less sticky now. Okay. So getting back into it, how was your transition from Boston to New York? Uh, it was pretty good, actually. I mean, I would go down to New York from Boston, mm -hmm. like, especially when I knew I was moving there, like, every few months. Right. And since it's such so close and I knew so many comics that had either moved there from Boston or just from visiting New York. Right. It was a pretty easy transition. Nice. Yeah. Did you have to not start over, but was there some relaying of the ground just to get people acquainted with you and your comedy stylings? Yeah, I mean that happens everywhere. You you move to a new place and then people don't know you necessarily, and so you have to earn their respect via performance or through recommendations of other people. Okay. So yeah, like there, you have to kind of showcase everyone in front of everyone and. Mm -hmm. Hope they take to you. How long would you say that process lasted for you? Well, it's still like the, the problem, or you know, kind of a good thing in a way is that it's continuous. So like, there's always continually new people coming to New York, and uh, or new bookers. Like I, I got in with a, a club, like within a few months of getting into of moving to New York, and that was great. Right. And then since then, like over the last year, there's been like four different bookers that have like cycled through because often there's a lot of turnover yeah and now they've like never heard of me so i have to like <laughs> you have to like continually still be showcasing Got it. until until you're a known like uh commodity in a like national sense uh -huh. or even like a little bit in a regional sense then like you can probably have an establishment of like hey this person's great and everyone knows it right but until you are that person you're just like well i gotta constantly prove it which is not a bad thing actually okay yeah, because, I mean, it, it keeps people from being complacent. Right. And all, all, you just have to keep in mind the only thing you can control is your, you know, your own performance and abilities. Yeah. So you just got to work on, you got to do you <laughs> and, uh, you know, keep moving ahead and keep the momentum going. It's all about momentum. Okay. So was your album part of that, part of achieving and maintaining momentum? Uh, No. Like, I did it because I'd just been doing comedy 10 years, and I was like, I have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. And I'd like, I'd like to have something to sell when I go on the road, which I was 
doing it at that point a lot more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, merch does help pay, pay the bills. Right. And so I thought, like, I have enough material that I can happily get rid of. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that I, you know, still think is, like, consumable by the masses. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to put something down to, like, show for my efforts. Nice. Yeah. And are you still happy with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I'm happy now because like for the first, it's been out for like seven or eight months. Uh -huh. And for that first amount of time, I didn't see any money from it. Right. And it's because it, it just takes forever for them to compile all the royalty money and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I got a, a check or like a direct deposit from Sound Exchange like yesterday. Oh, that's great. Is that just money sitting there? We just I found $5. <laughs> yeah, Looks like Sound Exchange works in mysterious <laughs> ways. Yeah. This is uh. I, I have listened to your album. Uh, well, and then you've been rewarded with $5. Yes. It could happen to you, too. It's called Snake Oil <laughs> by John Ozelay on iTunes. You can look it up. It's only 10 bucks. Yeah, that's a good price. Five if you find a $5 bill on the ground. Yeah, I would recommend it as a way to get money. It was super easy. Thank you for handing me this $5 bill. You could have kept it for yourself. Well, I could have, but then I'd have been a real jerk. You, you? You, you, well, you spotted it. Okay. I was just, uh, I got the assist. Nice. I'm going to just give it to a homeless person later. Oh, no. Horrible. Money from the street should stay on the street. That's, a, that's a, not a bad philosophy, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's not skin off my back. I haven't yeah. made plans with this $5 yet. Well, you could, you could buy someone else's comedy album. I could. And then burn it for a homeless person. <laughs> make them enter. Everyone can win now. Think you about want, creative ways to share that money with the street. You want to give homeless people your CD? I think they'd enjoy it. I think my CD's for everybody. I'm not elitist. I don't think just the 1% can appreciate it, although they definitely would. They would. Because <laughs> they're a subset of everyone. Yes, true. You, I like that you include that. That's very scientific of you. Yeah. That's appreciated. So do you want to tell the listeners where we are and what we're looking at? Sure. So we're walking down the Esplanade. We're going by... Uh, sort of like the sort of Venice-style uh, bridges where you can kind of paddle canoes and kayaks and be um, sort of segregated from the Charles River, which is a little bit more unruly. Yeah. So there's... Oh, actually, there is a, a Venetia gondola, yeah. Venetian gondola tour dock right here that we were just walking by. It's beautiful. It is. It's very nice. So it's kind of like... And there's lily pads and tree, like, you know, on the, on the little canal and there's a little boathouse where they're selling ice cream and stuff perfect so what are some times that you've come here that you remember from being in boston before so i used to live uh, um you know i went to bu as i mentioned and i used to live right around uh the campus uh -huh. um in the back bay or in sometimes awesome but mostly when i was living in the back bay uh that's it borders the esplanade so let's go let's go to the charles side all right so it's this really nice green uh walkway along the river mm -hmm. and so when i would like go exercise or just want to get a taste of nature outside of the bustling city yeah i'd walk or jog along the esplanade and it was very pretty have you always been like into exercise mm, i mean sort of I, mean, I played sports growing up uh, I, uh, have gotten into exercise, jogging and stuff. I actually got into it in college mm -hmm. because at that point I just, up to then I'd been playing sports and like just going to the gym to lift weights or whatever. Yeah. And then I got, I got a hernia. 
Really? Yeah, um, from Eight Minute Abs. That, uh, <laughs> the, the, the tapes? The tapes. Yeah, I think that I, that's the only thing I can remember, think that would cause it, because right. it's like this straining of the abdomen that causes these hernias. So I got a hernia, and I couldn't lift weights anymore, so right. I was like, well, I got to get exercise somehow. Yeah. So I started jogging. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite jogging weather? Uh, I don't have a, I mean, like, as long as it's not windy, I don't really care. Like, I'd be happy to jog when it's hot and sunny out, because I mm -hmm. also get, like, a tan or something. Nice. Yeah, you, you seem like you would be able to tan. I was talking to, I think, Steve McConey, and he's like, no, I just get red. It's horrible. I, I don't like the uh, sun at all. It's hilarious, because I, I live with Steve McConey, a Boston comic, or a former Boston comic, yeah. who lives in New York now. Uh, and he um, has this garden in our backyard because he has like all these different plants that he, he's like an old man because yeah. he wears these those, like big floppy sun hat yeah. and like long sleeves to go work in his garden. He's, he's such an, and he reads the newspaper, like the old newspaper, yeah. not just like the New York Times app or whatever. He has an, a subscription to like all the New York Sunday Times or uh -huh. whatever. And uh, yeah, it's hilarious to watch, to watch him out in the backyard getting no sun yeah, no. and I'll just go out there and sit in the sun with no shirt on like ha ha got my olive Hungarian skin in your face Ireland nice. so wait did you guys know each other at BU at all yeah actually that's how we met was uh do, do you remember a, a thing called BU's funniest student uh, I was in grad school so I like didn't pay attention to anything while I was there fair enough yeah I I only Heard, I forget how I heard of it, but yeah, I was I was also a grad student, so it was kind of unfair that I even competed. But the first year that I was in Boston was uh, my first year of grad school, right. and Steve's last year of undergrad. So he was like a senior, and I was like a incoming first year grad student, and so we were both in that competition, and that's how I met him as a stand-up. Ah, cool. Then you and I were at BU at the same time, based on the timing. Yeah. What, yeah. What years were you there? Uh, 2008 to 2010. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was there 06 to 12. Nice. You saw much more of it than I did. I just made <laughs> films and hung out in a basement. So. Were you in Com? Yeah, in Com. Oh, nice. Did you see the building they're building there? Yeah, that weird structure that's just blocking Com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I walked by yeah, last night. It's it's crazy ugly. <laughs> I I don't get it. like BU is like has some like maybe two pretty looking buildings and the rest of it's just an abomination. Yeah, they, there's interesting tastes at play in what they choose to build. Yeah, both terrible tastes. <laughs> terrible tastes in what they choose to build. All right, so planning for the future, what do you want to do in the next five years, comedically, scientifically, whatever? Uh, great question. I think I would like to, um, I mean, continue doing stand-up, uh, which is like my first passion and like the thing you can do sort of the easiest in a way uh -huh. because like there's no one stopping you from doing it in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, I would probably want to be writing. I'm, I'm working on writing projects and, and things that would hopefully get me staffed on a like TV show or web series or something mm -hmm. that so I could have a more stability in uh, income, I guess. You yeah. should, yeah. Writing's where the money's at. Nice. Stand-up never is. <laughs> Uh, and then scientifically, like, I, I think that is a strength of my specific, um, comedy style is I have a, it's very informed by science and right. I talk about it and it's more, uh, kind of a know-it-all <laughs> in a way. 
So like I hope you know like I work on projects that incorporate science, like some of the shows or web series I'm mm -hmm. pitching involve science in some capacity. Nice. Do you have them call you doctors a lot? Never. No, no, I hate that. Why? Because I feel like a total fraud. But you are a doctor. Technically, but I can't help anyone and I, I'm like it, it's such a it, like pretentious <laughs> thing to be called like if you don't actually help anyone. Is that horse shit? Oh yeah, probably. Okay. Is it not, just not, a... not like what I was saying, but like there's <laughs> literal horse shit on the path that we're walking on. Uh, there's there's goose shit all the time because yes. there's, there's geese that hang out or ducks or whatever they are uh, along the esplanade. But there's also a path where apparently horses walk because yeah. they left some apples behind. That was just, I was like, there's no way all of that could come from a dog. No, no, it'd have to be like the biggest mastiff. Yeah. Or grand. Uh, I don't know dog types. Is that like. It's like a Great Dane, but like okay. uh, hair, like a little thicker and hairier. All right. So yeah, you know dogs. You like dogs. Yeah, yeah. Remember Turner and Hooch? Yes. Uh, Hooch. Is, Wait, is what Tom Hanks stuff. was in that. Yep. Okay, cool. I remember the D or the VHS cover for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Classic. Yes. I haven't seen it, but I believe you. Classic buddy cop film where one of the buddies is a dog. That just seems so insulting. Uh, dog dogs need roles. They're Do part they? of our lives. They're our best friends. Maybe your best friend. Yeah, man's best friend. Don't forget it. <laughs> As a lady, no, I don't get to be a part of it. It's very sad. You can watch, though. I can watch. I can watch the love you blossom can. between a man and his dog. On VHS. Yes. So how often do you come up to Boston? Uh, varies. Um, but it, since it is, like, relatively easy via, like, bus, you know, it's, like, four or five-hour trip. And it's kind of cheap. I, I try to come up every, like, four months or so, like, nice. a few times a year. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you have a reputation here? Uh, among the people that know me, I guess. I mean, okay. what, how do you mean? Like, either comedically, like, oh, we know John is going to do this sort of thing, and he has, like, this type of perspective, and even interpersonally, like, ah, he's a wild and crazy guy or anything like that. I mean, certainly I, I was a bit of a scoundrel while I was here. And so I would, <laughs> what do you scoundrels like a very broad term? What do you mean when you say scoundrel? I'm not gonna, uh, uh, you know, specify what I okay. mean by that. But yeah, I was uh, the people that know me probably had some impressions of me okay. as a scoundrel, which I don't just deny. <laughs> All right. uh, but yeah, otherwise, comedically, I'm sure people like that have seen me would rec, you know, uh, know my style of comedy. I guess because I'm not. I'm very low energy on stage. Why would, like, do you think that contrasts with who you are off stage? No, I mean, I'm pretty laid back. Like, the, I find it difficult to get high energy about anything. Really? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I'm high energy about most things, so that seems much more relaxing, energy conserving. Do you think that has something to do with, like, being from California? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I certainly grew up in a very laid-back community and environment and like it I mean moving to Boston actually like I departed from that a little bit because I became a more intense like confrontational person than I was but still like relatively less than everyone else yeah. but Boston I could you can tell like I felt myself becoming that worse person <laughs> where I like <laughs> you think Boston <laughs> makes people worse people oh very misanthropic they're like everyone has that sort of schadenfreude where like when it's winter especially, yeah. you just see someone falling 
And you're like, ha, yeah, suck on it. You, 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 you know, eat that snow, you son of a bitch. And, and you know, you, you, you find yourself hating everything for no apparent reason other than you're just in pain from the weather right. or whatever else in life is going on. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, you're, like, the, the worst weather conditions and other conditions, of course, it's going to make you a little bit grumpy. Would you say that people you run into in New York that are from Chicago have a similar grumpiness? That are from Chicago? Yeah, because it's cold. Uh, true. But, I mean, like, New York is among the most confrontational cities in the world, so it's not, it? it's not going to make them stand out. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, you're aware of New York's reputation, right? Uh, tough guys, pizza. Yeah, I mean, like the, I think the the state motto is "Go fuck yourself." I thought that was like I definitely thought that was Boston's motto. They share it. Okay. I mean, I think New York invented it. Okay. Or you know what? Maybe not. I mean, I feel, Boston's a little bit older of a city. Um, but New York's definitely known for that. Nice. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it, it, even though like New York doesn't even necessarily have worse weather. Yeah. It's a little bit worse in the summer, I will say. Is it more humid, just generally hotter? Yeah, well, I mean, it, because it's um, so much more urban, like there's mm -hmm. bigger buildings and less uh, greenery, like it's more of a heat, I like, it, like it absorbs the heat more oh. and just kind of keeps it. Got it. But it's not as bad in the winter. Oh, yeah, it seems pretty pleasant. So what are some things that people don't know about you that would be like a great scoop for my podcast? Oh, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty open book. I guess, aside from my scoundreling. Okay, I got something, okay. I guess. All right, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm an Eagle Scout. Still? No, I mean, you're an Eagle Scout for life. Oh, that's, okay. that's the part of the thing. Yeah. Um, and that, like, mentality has permeated a lot of my... I mean, I don't think, I, like, being, becoming an Eagle Scout changed me so much as that I was drawn to, like, that level of um, sort of you know, behavioral code in a way, right. like an ethical thing where I, not not just in a like, oh, I need to help people and pick up litter and tie knots and shit like that, yeah. but mostly like the thrift of it, like, because uh -huh. being thrifty is one of the, uh, you know, scout laws, so you, yeah, well, I mean, it's one of 12, so it's like, oh, that's okay. kind of, it all, rev, being reverent is also one of them, which I am the opposite of, right. I am the, the least reverent person <laughs> in that respect, but like the, like I, have lived and saved money as an adult, never having made over like $30,000 in a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So like, I mean, like a lot of it is because that transfers in different ways. Like when I was in grad school, mm -hmm. I'd make a stipend of like 27,000 bucks a year. Yeah. And then I would also be an RA in a dorm. So like I'd just you put, the same way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'd have no, no uh, expenses. So I'd just save that money. Nice. And then in New York, I like just break even uh, doing teaching and watching dogs and doing stand-up. Right. And, and I don't, and I am able to live in the most expensive city yeah. with very low overhead, um, because of, like, my, my being able to live off of, not, and I also, like, there's that couch surfing mentality of, like, I can live and sleep and travel everywhere, like, and just hop on a bus to Chicago and, yeah. Not from New York, that would be too long. <laughs> Although I didn't take a bus from Chicago to Atlanta. How was that? That was awful. I mean, it's terrible. But like, I, I go through that. Like, I, my body can handle it. 
mentality and I can save money and live off couches and stuff. So I Did you do couchsurfing like the old website more formally or just couchsurfing the idea? The idea, like I I would crash with comics that I knew or uh, friends of friends sort of thing where I can, I'll, you know, plan it out that way. I just have a very efficient, save money, travel and not get in anyone's way mentality. Do you think you'll be able to do that for the long haul? No. Okay. In fact, my body is continually revolting against that mentality with each passing year. Like, I, I cannot, you know, drink all night anymore and then still get up the next day. And, like, right. my hangovers are worse. My body can't handle couches as much. <laughs> so I'm going to need to start making a lot more money so I can actually afford hotels and planes. Okay. But in the meantime, I'll just suffer through it. Nice. So wait, how old are you? 34. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I like that. But, I mean, that's the... The issue, like the whole problem with being a stand-up is, is like you're, you're just hustling yeah. until you make an unfathomable sum of money at once. <laughs> like what is an unfathomable, unfathomable, ugh, what is the sum that is that like? Well, I mean, you go from making like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year or like, you know, a, more, just over 10 or whatever doing exclusively stand-up to making six figures writing for a show yeah that would be nice yeah so it's it's not um you know crazy money per se relative to like the corporate world but but it is certainly a bonanza compared to what you'd normally make like there's no like increasing like oh each year that I do stand up I make an extra ten thousand dollars on what I used to right it's just like you're at a certain level and then you level up and all of a sudden you're like making it rain so so do you think you'll do this until you die mm, hopefully i mean i plan on dying young and tragically somehow so wait what's your fantasy way to die oh uh, great question i think it's it's probably still um <laughs> fighting a great white shark well, okay two questions why that but also you said probably still as though you decided this a long time ago yeah. what were the factors that led you to decide that in the first place i mean sharks are awesome everyone knows that okay um, and you know, I, I love going in the ocean and I'm an ocean kid. I grew up in San Diego and there's, there's great white sharks there and uh, among other places. So if I, you know, you die young and tragically, you th- want to think about the most badass way of going out yeah. and it's like fighting a shark, you know, nature's oldest killing machine. And, and so, you know, shark weeks, a little bit of death porn. Okay. You think about like how you're gonna like punch the shark in the oh, yeah. nose. Oh, not nose. No, that's a misnomer or you know misconception. What is it? You gotta g- grab its gills. And rip them out. Yeah, grab it like it's basically like you're, you're kind of like choking it because that's how they breathe. Yeah. So like they'll they'll not like it if you punch them in the nose, but yeah. you're not gonna get enough force on them yeah. to be like, oh no, my nose. <laughs> they'll just rip you apart. But right. if you like basically grab them by the gills you're like kind of choking them and they're like oh i can't breathe all yeah. right i'll let you go jeez okay, so or gouge them in the eyes both both of you can <laughs> if you can only reach one go for it but like yeah gouge them in the eyes grab the gills give them, give them an uppercut an uppercut yeah wherever you can punch them <laughs> grab them in their, do what do what you can yeah either way all right now i'm wondering now that i know you have a leading way that you want to die what are your like runner-up options 
Oh, I'll probably like trip on a curb when I'm drunk and just like <laughs> fall into a puddle and drown. A puddle? Yeah, yeah. People drown in puddles all the time. I'd like to see the science behind Not that. all the time. I'd, I may have misspoke, but people have drowned in puddles, and that's like a really stupid, frustrating way to die, and that's like totally something that would happen. Yes, I would agree. I always worry, like, did you ever watch the show Six Feet Under? No, I heard it's good, though. Is it's, it? it's really good. In the intro, they would always show, like, that's the way funny. a person died, and that's there was one. Cool. It's great. You should really check it out. It's one of the best shows ever. Uh, one, it was just like a little girl. were, like, going up against. Mass Ave? Yeah, we can turn around. Um, yeah, it was this little girl. Oh, you, Jonna was almost hit by a bird. Uh, That'd be another frustrating way to die. <laughs> just like hit in the face with a bird. Yeah. This chick just jumped off her bed and she landed wrong and then she was dead. That was it. And that always like terrifies me that I'll just be like minding my own business, trip, fall, hit my head, and then I'm like, that's it, lights out. Have you almost died ever? I've been in like car accidents. Um, I've been held up at gunpoint. Whoa. Um, I'm not good at swimming, so people have like pulled me out of a pool before. Whoa. But not like so close that there's like a pearly white light and I like lost consciousness or anything. Right. What about you? Um, I, I've broken my back twice. Why? Uh, once I was actually at Boy Scouts and I. Like this play equipment that I was on broke and I fell like eight feet onto my back. Jeez. Uh, the other time was I was playing football my senior year uh, for my high school. Right. And it was a practice and like we. Not even during a real game? No, no. It was really dumb. Our coach didn't, it was like his first year, so he didn't know how far apart to like have people run at each other. Yeah, yeah. So we got like basically full speed and we went head to head. And I got a concussion and Jeez. broke one of my vertebrae. Jeez. Um, also, What's like, the recovery process for that? I uh, just waited out. Like, it, it wasn't like, it was a compression fracture, so uh -huh. it just kind of smushed it a little bit. Um, but it's, it's fine now. Okay. I mean, I'll probably have back problems later in life, but right. as of now, it's just kind of whatever. Got it. Uh, also, last year, I was at this uh, cookout, and I, there was a bacon-wrapped hot dog. Okay. And the way they kept bacon on the hot dog is they put a toothpick in it. Yeah. But, like, the edges singed off, so it didn't, like, stick out anymore. Oh. So I ate this hot dog with a toothpick in it, uh. and there was a toothpick lodged in the back of my throat. Uh. So that would have been uh, a frustrating way to die. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Is eating a hot dog and stabbing yourself with a toothpick. So wait, how were you, how did you get rid of the toothpick? Uh, so it was, it was wedged back there, and I could feel it, and the person whose cookout it was, like, took me to their restroom and, uh, got tweezers. Oh. So I, I put tweezers in the back and kind of pulled it out. That's, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. That you had to pull it out yourself is... Well, I mean, she tried, but, like, my tongue was getting in the way, so oh. I, I could, like, kind of feel it better without looking at it. Ugh. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. I'm glad you didn't die. Me too. Yeah. But it would have like fulfilled my prophecy of dying tragically and young. Did you always think you were gonna die young? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I do. I am very injury prone. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, I broke my back twice. Yeah. I I broke my shoulder playing football like a year and a half ago. It's like I'll never not have health insurance because I know that I'll use it. Right. Like every single. It's a, it's a very safe bet that mm -hmm. I will seriously injure myself once every couple years. Wow. Okay. I've never broken a bone. That seems complicated and difficult to deal with with constancy. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta, I mean, I, I'm, I have a, 
very adventurous uh, streak in me, but also injury prone. So, All right, what are some of the other adventurous things you've done while in New York? Um, hmm. I don't even. It's not. It's mostly like traveling, honestly. Like I don't do that many dangerous things when I'm in a major city because uh -huh. they're kind of hard to do. Like you know, jogging along the Esplanade isn't exactly dangerous unless it's late at night or something. Yeah. I feel like people have gotten murdered here. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What a, what a place. It's great. Uh, it's, it's fun for everyone, even murderers. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like when you travel and you do go someplace where you're unfamiliar and, and do some activity that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, I went to Spain and ran with the bulls when I was in like 22. Why did you do that? Because it's a thing to do. It's but like also bodily harm. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And like the most dangerous thing wasn't even the bulls, it was the alcohol and the strangers. What is, like they're going to trample you? Well, no, it, it, it's mostly the that they would like, you know, rob you or oh. or like get you blackout drunk and do things to you. Because uh, it's like a huge party. It's like Mardi Gras. Right. But in the morning, instead of just like sleeping in, you run, run with bulls. Oh, of course. And so like that, that also adds to the danger of that. But you weren't like bodily harmed or... Anything. No, I mean, I we did get robbed at one point, like oh. just, but like more like a pickpocket scenario where like yeah. they kind of distracted us and stole one of our bags. Ah. Also, you can't like unless you plan years in advance, you can't get a hotel or a hostel or anything. Really? Yeah, because it's it's like a small town. Like, yeah. That's one of the things we didn't know about it before we got there. We forgot to plan and prepare, uh, so we just showed up and like went to a hotel. I was like, hey, we'd love to room, and they laughed in our face. They laughed. Of course, because like there, there's it's like a set town of like 60,000 people and during that festival it like swells to like hundreds of thousands right so everyone's just kind of sleeping on the street or in a park or something so you slept in a park or on the street yeah I mean I don't remember it we were just drunk the I was time. I, I I remember waking up actually running with the bulls oh my that's that's when I came to good time to come to yeah. by the way but that's also why I get myself in trouble was like a, yeah that sounds about right yeah okay so I, I mean, I, there was pictures of me passed out on the street somewhere that, that my friends took because <laughs> that's where they like stuffed me in a windowsill and then uh, woke up slapping a bull's ass. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty ballsy. All right, so we're coming pretty up. stupid. I wouldn't say, I mean, like, it's, uh, yeah, either way. <laughs> but those, those are the kind of pickles. That you find yourself in? Uh-huh. Oh, my God, I hate geese so much. <laughs> uh, a bunch of geese are just crossing the road, I guess, and uh, they just have their mouths open. I just have you ever been bitten by a bird? No. It's unpleasant. I bet. And I still have that fear. Yeah. So coming up on the hour, what are some things that you miss about Boston? Um, what do I miss about Boston? I, I like it's not it's it's a just a smaller version of of like a big city, so it's not as hectic. Right. Um, there's a weird regional pride to it. More so even than New York. New York's such an international and like, ex, you know, transplant city. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of pride for New York, you know, natives and everything. But uh -huh. people that are in Boston are generally like, ah, I'm Boston. I have a real, real identity to themselves. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of cool. I mean, once you get used to it. When I first moved here, it was hard to adjust to. How <laughs> so? Oh, I, I, people just try to start fights with me for no reason. Is it because you look like 
a guy who gets in fights? No, actually, I, I've never been in a fight, and I don't necessarily look like it. I just, um, I was just kind of floating around like, hey, I'm friends with everybody. <laughs> and then people were like, you're not friends with us, fuck you, and, and I'm going to fight you. And so I just had to talk my way out of it. All right. Wait, so part of the reason why I say you look like you know how to fight, at least, is because of your mustache. How long have you had this mustache? Oh, uh, off and on, like, six or so years. I mean, like, I shave it and grow it back pretty regularly, so... I don't have it the whole year necessarily, but uh, yeah, I'd start growing it more regularly when I was in Boston. And yeah, over the course of the time I lived here, probably went from having a mustache like a month of the year to like six or eight months. What's the typical reaction to the mustache? Fear, obviously. Fear? No, I don't know. You tell me. It definitely has like an 80s like cool guy thing there's also elements of like Jason Sudeikis but that's just because of like the rest of your face and your uh, hair and stuff sure yeah yeah I'm fine with it yeah everyone likes him yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Eskimo brothers with him tell me more uh, no that's just one thing that's a, that's the end of the story <laughs> the, yeah. yeah how did you He's, find that out um you, you, you know, like you have a conversation with someone you're dating or whoever. Yeah. It's like, hey, who, who's the famous people? Because, like, <laughs> most, most women, at least in New York, have slept with one famous person. Oh, man. I had a, when I moved to New York, now that's, like, an additional pressure. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you, hey, especially if you're going to be in entertainment. Yeah. Going to get that superstar dick, you know? God damn it. Another thing I have to do, I have to save up. I have to, like, get furniture. I got to do that. And also sleep with a famous person all right you don't have to no, i feel like i should now but you're saying it's like standard issue certainly it's a uh, par for the course yeah hey, hey, hey. well I'll, I'll research lay down a plan all that what are some um uh, give me some final thoughts i think like my final thoughts would be like to like the the risk of uh, living the kind of life where you're doing stand up and like you know following your dream at the cost of like monetary instability, mm-hmm. uh, that's not really as big a risk as like not ever pursuing that because right. like you're a hundred percent failure if you're just living that boring life. Yeah. But you're at least at a great percentage of success when you pursue it, and you know even if you don't reach the heights, you're still right. in. It's about the process. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, you're a greater forehead. It's built character. Do you feel like you have a solid character? You know, I still got to work on that character. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big character guy, okay. but uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, I'm working towards it. It's all about the process. All right. So those are great final words from John Ozole. Thank you so much for joining Percy Town. Bye.